You are listening to the Next Best Picture podcast, and this is our review of the Super Mario Brothers movie. Alright everybody, you were just listening to the trailer for the Super Mario Brothers movie and the story is as follows. With help from Princess Peach, Mario gets ready to square off against the alt-powerful Bowser to stop his plans from conquering the world. The film is starring Chris Pratt, Anya Taylor-Joy, Charlie Day, Jack Black, Keegan-Michael Key, Seth Rogen, Fred Armisen, Sebastian Maniscalco, Charles Martinet, and Kevin Michael Richardson. It is directed by Aaron Horvath and Michael Jelinek, and it is written by Matthew Fogel. Here to join me today for this podcast review, I have Zoe Rose Bryant. Hello, hello. Isaiah Washington. Hello. And Josh Parham. Hello, hello. Really, none of you are going to open up with, it's a me. Well, you just did. <laughs> you just did it now. <laughs> Damn it, Josh. I guess you're right. All right. <sighs> well, in any event. All right, the Super Mario Brothers movie. A film that, ever since we got the first official look at the teaser trailer for it, everybody was pretty excited. Mario is such a recognizable face. I'm sure at one point or another in each of our lives, we've all played a Mario game on some sort of console. He's multi-generational. Even his side characters, Luigi... Donkey Kong, Peach, Toad, all of them represented here. They're all recognizable as well. So, Illumination Animation Studios coming together here with Nintendo to bring the world and these characters to life in an animation style that I have to say very much does fit the tone and what we come to expect from a Mario movie. Some of us will be fortunate enough, or maybe unfortunate, I don't know how... uh, you know, you all kind of see this, to remember the 1993 Super Mario Brothers movie starring Bob Hoskins and John Leguizamo, Dennis Hopper. Anyone here lucky enough to have seen that masterpiece? I have not seen that one yet, and I actually do really want to, though. Oh, man. Josh, it's one of the worst movies I've ever seen. I'm sure it is. And for that reason alone, it's awesome. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's why I still do really want to see it. <laughs> yeah, it's one of those movies I'd have to plan to be, like, not at all sober for. <laughs> but this is full-fledged animation. No live action. So no Lego movie shenanigans here. Strictly IP-driven <laughs> oh, animation entertainment for the entire family to consume with their hard-earned dollar. Ah, all right. Well, listen. Some people like it, others don't. Where do we all fall on this? The Super Mario Brothers movie. Zoe, take it away. What did you think? Did it meet your expectations? So, like you said at the start of this, like, we've all grown up with Mario. Um, I have so many fond memories playing Mario with my family and my friends and all the different iterations of the character across all these different franchises. So, even though I did have kind of low expectations, just knowing kind of what illuminations how style is and how they do their movies and how it's kind of like bare minimum entertainment mostly like kid oriented these days um i was still kind of excited you know because it is the first real mario movie i think you know like in this form and animation um and ultimately i did have a pretty good time with it i i don't think it's like 
Citizen Kane or like Pixar or like any incredible animated movie. It's like very, barely fresh for me, but I ended up really having a good time. I think that animation itself is really inventive and energetic and captures a lot of what you love about the game. I love like the side scrolling set pieces and the power ups and the Mario Kart stuff. And I think that's all super fun and a nice little distraction. Um, the story itself not great. Um, and I tweeted this out last night, but a lot of the dialogue, at least initially, sounds like it was written by chat GPT. Um, just like <laughs> no characterization whatsoever. Um, and I do think they definitely could have gone a lot further and I hope they do in the sequels that it sets up. But I don't know. I had, I really, by like the end and the final, like big third act, like set piece, I thought it was really cool and just enjoying myself. But one conversation I did have with my friend who I saw it with is, we were walking out was that kind of comparing it to Dungeons and Dragons that came out last week. That's a franchise that I knew nothing about, but I think the creators really made a very compelling film around the source material so that anybody who, who anybody who saw it would, could enjoy it, whether or not they were a fan of D and D where I feel like with Mario, like if you don't already have that nostalgic attachment to these characters and the lore, there's nothing for you here. Like it, it there's like, no attempt to broaden the audience or invite other people in. It's like, if you like pointing at the screen at all these little callbacks and like seeing the power ups in animation, like this is for you. But if not, like don't buy a ticket. Leonardo DiCaprio must've had a great time watching this. I'm sure all the pointing at the screen. Yeah. Mm. All right. Josh Parm. What did you think of the super Mario brothers movie? Was it super for you? Um, not very much, I have to say. <laughs> um, yeah, when it comes to the property of, of Mario, like everybody, I have familiarity with it. I did play some of those games, but yeah, it's not really a property that has ever been near and dear to me. I'm not a big gamer to begin with. I enjoy them, but they're just not a big part of, of my life. And, and so, yeah, going into this movie, I didn't really have high expectations also knowing that it was coming from illumination a company that i don't particularly like their output all that much uh also did not very much excite me and this yeah this movie just didn't really do anything for me honestly um i think that zoe is right that the characterization of that we see in this film is just so incredibly poor like even without some kind of working knowledge of who these quote-unquote characters are supposed to be just the way that they are presented just felt so bland and flat that i i just even from just watching them go through the plot and the arcs that they were <laughs> that they were assigned i just never found any of that to be very engaging and I think that ended up being the biggest thing that I just really found myself struggling with. And because of that, the plot, even though it moves very quickly, I actually found it to be kind of lethargic at the same time, just because I couldn't really invest in anything. And I do think that the movie has some occasionally fun moments and amusing set pieces. I also think Jack Black is really great. He's the, the highlight of the voice cast for me. But yeah, ultimately, I just found it to be a very sort of as i said kind of like lethargic draining experience and i didn't really find myself having a good time with it at the end of the day and it yeah it wasn't a very good movie in my opinion okay that leaves isaiah washington isaiah was the nostalgia enough um 
I think the nostalgia was enough. I I grew up, of course, playing the Mario franchise universe, Nintendo world a lot. Whether it was, I used to own a DS, Nintendo DS. My grandfather, before he passed, he gave us a Nintendo Wii. And we, I remember even going over to other people's houses, my friends' houses. We would play new Super Mario Bros. And even though I sucked at Mario Kart, it never stopped me from playing it with my friends. And I think that there are two versions of this film. One version, I think, that is this movie's biggest enemy and downfall is Illumination Studios. And I'm not here to crap on Illumination Studios. I have some respect for them as far as from a financial business perspective in the filmmaking industry, and I applaud them for that. And they have definitely found their audiences, and people love them. But with the exception of Despicable Me, none of their films have really had a big impact on me especially from just a quality six out of ten or up type of picture but when this film is trying to be a nintendo inspired video game adaptation i think that's when it works the the set pieces the creativity of the gaming the um just the entire enthusiasm of what it means to have the spirit of Nintendo and Mario and that world. The animation is gorgeous, in my opinion. That's one of the things that actually stood out to me the hardest when it comes to this uh, this animated movie. And I was surprised of how much I enjoyed the majority of the voice acting. Not all of it worked, specifically for some supporting characters, but of course, Jack Black big major standout for me that definitely had me entertained even if i wasn't a big fan of some of the subplots that he was given but he made the best of it and i i think i do lean a little bit more towards the positive side with this all right let's go <laughs> let's see who's been paying attention to the show over the years isaiah you're new what are the two things that i always talk about on this show makes a great movie Story and character. Oh, my God. He's a student. <laughs> Story and character. I did not know there was going to be a pop quiz on this show. <laughs> it's only for me, the newbie. <laughs> I've said it time and time and time again. Story and character. If you nail those two things, everything else doesn't matter. You can forgive crappy visual effects. You can forgive... So much, as long as you nail story and character. That's all I ask for in a movie. That's all I ask. <laughs> and it's the two things that this movie does not do. <laughs> Everything else that this movie does, I think this movie actually is pretty awesome. I very much enjoyed the animation style. I loved the quote-unquote action set pieces. Hell, I was even impressed by the voice acting. I was actually quite surprised by some of the voice acting. Remember the uproar that Chris Pratt's casting as Mario caused amongst the internet? Mm -hmm. There are some people who still haven't gotten over it and will still say that he's terrible. Well, guess what? He's not that terrible in this. I mean, and maybe we should have known because 
he did a decent job with the Lego movie. And granted, I don't think this is as good as that, but I don't think he's terrible. Especially when you watch the movie in the context of knowing that Mario and his brother Luigi are not these thick Italian accented, like, you know, people that come from Brooklyn. They're Italian Americans and they are two brothers who are just starting a plumbing business together. You know, like the setup to this movie, the, the initial like 10 minutes or so, I was like, oh my gosh, this might actually be great. I really, really like what they're doing here in terms of setting up this brother relationship, how the two of them are looking to start a business in my hometown of Brooklyn. Oh man, I was so into it. I have no idea why they look like two 35 to 40 year old men and they're acting like they're teenagers with their father. But hey, <laughs> you know what? Italian American households, you could be 35 and still living at home with your mom. You know, I'm not saying I do. I'm just saying there are some out there that I know. Okay, but bottom line is, I was in it. I was all for it. Jack Black as Bowser, freaking awesome. He's fantastic here. And then the movie just keeps going and going and going. And guess where it's going? It's going nowhere. It's going nowhere. And that's ultimately my biggest frustration with this film. When all is said and done, is that to me... There's a lot of setup. There's a lot that is dressed up to make it look pretty and nice. And they give us this fantastic voice cast with a few exceptions here and there. Because the exceptions that the people I do have main issues with in the voice cast are side characters. It's not the principals. Mm -hmm. But man, when it was all said and done, I just didn't care. And unlike Dungeons and Dragons, where I thought to myself, this is good, but it leaves enough room for improvement where I want to see sequels. This left me feeling, I feel like I've seen it all and I don't know what else they're going to deliver to make me care. Hell, a great comparison to this. And believe it or not, I can't believe I'm actually saying this. I actually thought the Sonic movies pulled off this kind of entertainment better. In terms of creating a film that was geared towards families, but had a certain heart and charm to it, despite the broadness of the humor and how silly it was at times. I don't think this movie is as silly as the Sonic films are, but the problem is that it does feel like it is merely meant to be a cash grab that is supposed to be cashing in on your nostalgia. They want your money. They want nothing more. And they couldn't give a shit less about delivering something actually impactful and meaningful for you. That's what bothers me. History is complicated. The story of human progress is long, messy, and riddled with controversies big and small. On Conflicted, we dive headfirst into history's most infamous events and contentious figures. We try and untangle the good from the bad, the fact from the fiction, and the monsters from the misunderstood. Was Genghis Khan a murderous butcher or a civic pioneer? Did the Allied powers go too far in firebombing the German city of Dresden at the twilight of World War II? And how did the Marquis de Sade acquire such a sinister reputation? And was any of it true? 
These are just a few of the tough questions we wrestle with and investigate on Conflicted. So if you love history or just enjoy a good story, please join me, your host, Zach Cornwell, for a fascinating new topic each and every month. Conflicted, a history podcast, is available on Spotify, Apple, or wherever else you get your podcasts. I hope to see you soon. And when you talk about comparing this to the Sonic movie, I think what those movies have that this one doesn't, in my opinion, is that I think the Sonic films actually do really commit to the tone of that character and that world that it exists in. And what I found kind of weird about Mario is actually, I think, setting it up initially of them being in this sort of real world scenario where, yeah, they are plumbers and they don't have the thick accents. They just have like regular Brooklyn accents. It it kind of like demystified it for me a little bit. And it sort of felt as if they were pulling their punches on trying to be as whimsy as they could. And it then made it feel like when we got to the more fantastical elements of the story, it felt a little half-assed to me and it didn't feel like they really committed to to the bit. And I think that was one thing that contributed to me not really feeling all that invested in the story and characters because it, it felt like the narrative itself really wasn't invested all that much in in that realm either. I kept thinking to myself, it's 92 minutes long, which is typically a good length for an animated film that's aimed at children. But could you imagine if this was just even 15 minutes longer and they just used those extra 15 minutes to slow the story down, give some introspection to some of these characters, maybe deepen the relationship between Mario and Luigi, like put a wedge between them somehow? I I don't know, just introduce some level of conflict that would have to make Mario grow, Luigi grow. Instead, what we get is we get basic storytelling about Mario feeling too small in the world. Well, guess what? He's going to take a mushroom power up and he's going to get big. And because he feels big and strong and fast, that's going to make him feel big, strong and fast in life. I suppose I, I, it's just so basic. And I, I think at a certain point you do have to sometimes throw your hands up in the air and say, I get it. It's not aimed at me. I'm an adult. It's aimed at kids, but you know what? I know plenty of movies that are aimed at kids and we as adults can still get something out of it that maybe the kids don't fully understand, but there's that that's, that's the real definition of there's something for everyone. This is not something for everyone in my opinion. Yeah, I do agree with you that there was a definite missed opportunity with um, Mario and Luigi, because I think that obviously they want you to care for that, that brother duo. That's how they like set it up and stuff. And it's like, this whole movie is about, you know, saving Luigi and then they come together in the end. And I was like, you know, I love the characters. So I already had that like pre-existing affinity for them, but I don't think the movie really gave me any additional motivation to care for them or their relationship. And they clearly like want it to be this emotional moment, like with that flashback earlier too, where Mario protects Luigi from a bully. But I'm like, I don't think that that was not enough. Like, we definitely needed a little more time with them, a little bit more to like their backstory, because really, and this is the part too where it hurts that it's not really made for anybody who doesn't already know these games. It's like, if you don't know them and their relationship, like, you're just like, oh, okay, two brothers who like each other. Like, it's very, it's very generic. 
I mean, even Princess Peach. Yeah. Ugh. She's introduced as this powerful, you know, just, I, I don't, oh man, <laughs> she, I'm gonna, does, I'm gonna she doesn't this. grow. She doesn't actually have any conflict or, and she doesn't, oh my gosh, I'm sorry. Go ahead, Josh. I actively hated this character in this movie. <laughs> I really did. And the reason why is because it felt to me so transparent that Peach as a character, obviously in the games, like there's nothing there. She's literally yeah. there to be saved. And you could feel them, the 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 people behind this movie trying to justify like how they could give her something of an arc, something to make her the, the quote unquote strong female character. And I think that this is one of those situations where it to me it is so apparently obvious that there really isn't a character here and all their attempts to make this person more interesting are just like there's no real attempt at it and i i felt like to be honest i felt like it was pandering to it was to, to that to that idea of this character and i i think that there is obviously a way that you can make peach a more in uh, a more interesting character to explore but i do not think that they did it here i think they took the bare minimum cheapest route they could and just made her just as flat as everybody else only more more pandering as i said even her decision to get caught by bowser and then have to be saved at the end of the movie she willingly gets caught and she's the one who breaks herself out and so i'm not saying that that's a bad thing but the problem is she doesn't change throughout the course of this movie we we never get to know anything about her character. Mm-hmm. We never get a central conflict for her that she has to overcome by the end of the movie that's personal to her. It's just like, I, I, I totally agree with you, Josh. They're giving her all this stuff to do to make her appear powerful. I, I knew we were in trouble. I knew we were in so much trouble the minute that Mario shows up at the Mushroom Kingdom. And without even asking any questions, without... <laughs> Having any dialogue between him and Peaches, uh, Peaches, Jesus, Princess Peach, <laughs> immediately. <laughs> Bowser calls her Peaches. Yes. Um, peaches, 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 Peaches. <laughs> Sorry. Um, they they don't have any dialogue, and she just immediately is like, oh, you want to come on this quest with me? Complete this obstacle course, you stranger that I just met and I don't know who the hell you are from the distant planet, and you will prove your worthiness to me. Like, what? It's so convenient for convenience sake. I'm not going to go as far to say that she has no type of conflict. I just think it's more about what Zoe brought up to where it's just bare minimum, just generic. Obviously, her conflict is... She has to, and I know this is not going to be enough, but it's, it's I'm not going to say it's not there. She has to protect her kingdom that she is the ruler over. And I'm just thinking to myself, okay, that's something. I'm, I'm thinking in the theater, that's something that we can actually work with. But the problem is, it's just so familiar and generic and one note. And it doesn't really develop her anymore. I'm not going to say that I don't hate the Peach character. Because, again, for me, Jack Black and the other person, Anya Taylor-Joy, I think they do the best of what they're given. I actually think her voice performance kind of elevates the character. And in terms of just, like, visual 
like facial expressions. I think she was one of the more animated characters of this film. Uh, but I don't disagree that everything that she's given in terms of a quote unquote arc, it, it's just bare minimum. Yeah, like I, I, really, I really appreciate them trying to give her more agency because I've always loved the Princess Peach character. I love the princess characters, but she really is just kind of like an accessory in the games. Like, oh, she's trapped. Let's go get her, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but it, it, like that is what's tough about it is they they give her that, but they don't give her like a character for that agency to really stand on. And I do think that Anya does like a very good job with the voice work, but I think this is the character that's hurt the most by that like chat GPT dialogue that I mentioned at the start, because like you were saying that everything between her and Mario, especially initially is very just like AI generated, like generic. And like, I'm like, we're supposed to be kind of feeling like the foundation of a relationship here. And I didn't get that. No, we only get that because Jack Black's Bowser constantly yeah. tells the audience that he is worried that Mario is moving in on Peach. Yeah. But we actually don't see any evidence of that. No, and I, I think yeah. maybe like they're setting it up or whatever. But the other thing that I was mad that they kind of left to set up later was how they explore her backstory, which I've always wondered about too, like playing the games and how you know, like the toads took her in and like Isaiah was saying, that's why she wants to protect the kingdom. But I was like, oh, is that going to be a callback later? Like we're setting up this flashback and then we're going to learn more about Peach's origins later and it'll like tie into the finale somehow. And then we don't. So I'm guessing it's just like sequel bait. But I think that that was a missed opportunity to further her character arc in this film into like something substantial. (sighs) It's so bad. (laughs) And I want to be very clear. I want to be very clear. I'm not saying that I'm, you know, against the idea of this character having more agency and being, quote unquote, stronger. Like, that's not my complaint. My complaint is that it is not earned at all from a character perspective, that there is nothing here that really justifies you being interested in her arc, in her backstory, in the things that she actually is motivated to do within this narrative. And because all of that is missing, the attempts to make her seem like a more dynamic character just feel very, they feel very flat to me. And it feels like I'm not, I'm being asked to connect with a character, not because I want to, but because I should, because it's the quote unquote good thing to do. And that type of storytelling, even in children's animation, I just do not really like all that much. Now, if there was a true rock star in this movie, I I do think it is Jack Black. I think he's the MVP of the voice acting here. I actually really like how there are even times where I couldn't even tell that that was actually Jack Black's voice as Bowser Mm -hmm. because he really deepens it a lot. Um, But then there are other times where it just comes out in the most classic of Jack Blackian ways. I mean, when he sings, yes. Oh, my God, when he sings. Quite frankly, I, I could have watched an entire movie of Bowser just singing at the piano, and I would have been perfectly content with that. <laughs> the whole Bowser-Peach subplot just did not work for me because... Well, that's the... Okay. Oh, Isaiah, thank you so much for bringing that up because that's another thing that really bothers me about Bowser in this movie mm-hmm. is he, too, is lacking motivation behind his desires. He wants to marry Peach. Why? He wants to take over the Mushroom Kingdom. Why? It's not necessarily 
lack of motivation. I I get his. I no, get it him. is I, lack of motivation. <laughs> no, 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 no. I'm talking more about execution. The idea of it is fine. Like, okay, you want to take over this kingdom, but I feel like the execution within some of the dialogue and some of just this, like the payoff or no payoff when it comes to between him and Peach just felt so juvenile and been there, done that when it comes to illumination and those type of supplies that you may see in those type of uh, stories. I'm thinking a lot about that from just the Despicable Me franchise. And it, it, again, it's not the motivation that I have a problem with. Okay, you want to take over the kingdom, fine. But it, it just, it's the subplot between him and Peach that I have more of a problem with. But giving, but giving context to it, giving a why, makes the character interesting. Yeah, like when you're adapting the video game, like that is where the screenwriter needed to come in and give it a little bit more juice because this is like Bowser's role in the game. Like he's always like kidnapping Peach. He wants to marry Peach, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And like, Mm -hmm. so I'm watching it and I'm like, oh, like that's the game. But I do think when it's translated, because I've seen some people who who didn't play the games, who aren't familiar with like Mario lore, (laughs) they'll watch it and they're like, this is a very like archaic plot. Like this has been there, done that. Like we've seen this story a million times. And like, I can't really knock that because it is true. Like, I I don't know if like in 2023, like it's, it is just very like bare bones. And I think, you know, it like sets up the story beats it needs to well enough, but it is like, they didn't go any further. It almost makes me wonder if was there, I don't know, like a production problem or something regarding uh, Nintendo's involvement that the script had to meet a certain standard of bare minimum requirement. And they were they weren't able to go outside of certain parameters, you know, mm-hmm. I haven't heard of any drama like that behind the scenes, but it just feels like a movie that's so constricted, like they weren't allowed to explore and do anything outside of what would appeal to fans of the Nintendo brand. Or it's just a very blandly written movie. Like, yeah, like it's, just, <laughs> it's just not that well written. It just isn't. Yeah. Now, okay, let's argue this point. Because there are some people out there who will listen to this, I'm sure, and say, oh, Matt, can you guys just have fun? Can't you guys just let this be enjoyable? Why does it have to be so serious? Why does it have to have these things that you are saying it's missing? I had fun with it. That's how people are going to be about this. You know? <laughs> so to them, what do you say? I'm happy to for them, you. <laughs> it's like- to them, I, there was a person who said it best. Um, I'm going to give a shout out to... Uh, someone who was a guest on the podcast, Kathia Woods, who said, I think said it really well to where you can be entertained and like something, but still call out the obvious flaws within it. And that's okay. Obviously with me, I was entertained with this. I'm sitting next to this mom and we just have this unspoken dialogue. We're, we're sharing each, with each other with foods and just watching this. And we just know what's up. We know what type of film this is. And yes, I had fun. But I agree. Uh, these are just problems and flaws that you just can't deny. You just can't. And yeah. that's okay to admit it. Yeah, I think that's the best way to say it, too. Because, like, I did have fun. Like I And I know that a lot of that is, like, my nostalgic attachment to the characters. But... I also think 
loving it means like you know it can be and do so much better and that's the thing too like I think this was like serviceable and I really liked the ending and how they like tie in the animation of like the iconic set pieces from the games but I I think for it to be like the first like animated like a Super Mario movie ever like you do just have a higher expectation for that and you do hope that they add a little bit to what we already know and love and that's the thing is that you can enjoy this but I do think we should like hope that creators are you know doing more with ip and i we just talked about this yesterday with like the barbie thing because there was all these people like oh that people hate when like they do ip adaptations but now everybody's like all over barbie and it's like that is an example of a creator taking an existing ip and really putting their own mark on it and saying something new and offering an original artistic vision so ip does not have to be a crutch it's about what you do with that and what you springboard off of your IP to do. And I think here it's just, they just settled for the IP and sure that scratches an itch and it will provide like some basic entertainment. You won't remember the next day, but it shouldn't be a lot better. I will say that there are a few set pieces in this that I did enjoy when Mario was running through the streets of Brooklyn set to the beastie boys. And they did the, uh, side view that's the same angle as what you see in the uh, video game of him going through like all the different obstacles and stuff i was like holy shit this is awesome mm-hmm. <laughs> i was loving that when he has to go through the obstacle course that peach sets up for him i was enjoying it for what it was you know it wasn't as awesome because as we mentioned before the whole peach of it all but you know, seeing Mario constantly trying to do these uh, obstacle courses and then slowly starting to get better at it. That was a fun little montage. It was such poor setup, though. I, yeah. I just hated that we just went right into it. And Oh, no, I completely agree. <laughs> it's like that, that's why I couldn't really even enjoy it all that much, because like, yes, it, are like the individual pieces of that set piece kind of fun and entertaining sure but our setup to it the the motivations of the characters going into that moment just felt so rushed and sloppy to me that i yeah i couldn't really get my bearings that well to just enjoy the spectacle no i i i completely agree with you on that level sure definitely agree and, and then of course there are the two other uh major set pieces i'm sure people will you know, recognize immediately one paying direct homage to Super Smash Bros involving uh, Donkey Kong voiced by Seth Rogen in this. And he has a fight with Mario. And then there's the uh, Mario Kart uh, sequence on the Rainbow Road, which there were there were points while I was watching it where I was like, oh, my God, are we paying like direct homage to uh, Mad Max over here? I was like, what's going on? Yeah, <laughs> I was amused. There, there were certain points in this movie where. I was able to let that inner child enjoy himself for a little bit. And the best thing I can say uh, to people who are having fun with this movie is, you know, I, I do think it is aimed at kids. And if it awakens your inner child and you're able to let that out for 90 minutes, power to you, you know, I don't want to take that away from anybody. No, that's lovely. I'm, gl- I'm glad you had a great time. I'm happy for anybody that enjoyed this movie. I unfortunately was not one of them myself, but you know what? I will also say that the the Donkey Kong fight probably was my favorite set piece in the whole movie. And the reason is because I do actually think that they try a little bit, not a lot, but a little bit of 
characterization between the two of them. And there actually is an attempt at some growth. And, and you know, it's not much, for sure. But I actually think that the evolution of that fight not only was just kind of fun and entertaining to watch, but it did also feel like they were actually trying to move the characters forward a little bit and indulge in some actual motivation that was behind them. So that is an example of a situation where it's not a lot of work that you need to do, but you give me just a little bit to actually connect with some of the characters and what they're doing. I can't actually find myself being slightly entertained by what's happening, but I just don't feel like that is what most of this movie is doing. No, I, I agree. I, I I found it really funny because there's a scene where Mario and Donkey Kong are bonding over <laughs> oh, their relationships with their father in the mouth of a, of a whale or something. It was like real Pinocchio vibes. And I started laughing because I completely forgot by that point in the movie that Mario even had a father. And I know that he's voiced by the original Mario, uh, Charles Martinet. But yet at the same time, I was like, man, they really want us to draw this parallel here between Donkey and Donkey Kong and Mario. And yet, I, shit, I don't even remember what Mario's relationship with his father's like. <laughs> you know, like it was so bland and generic. Exactly. <laughs> to Zoe's point, it need, this movie just needed like ten, at least 10 more minutes of screen time. Like if we could have had. That's more, what I said. <laughs> if we could have just had more of that dinner scene, because, of course, like that that scene where they're all having dinner and I'm just thinking there are spots and moments in the the writing where I'm just like, OK, you have potential here to do something actually meaningful. And you're just it's just so safe and you just have to be quick in terms of like the pacing. And this is a film where I feel like it could have used more screen time and a bit of a longer runtime in general. Did you stay after the credits? Because uh, after the credits, there's a Christmas dinner scene and Mahershala Ali shows up at the end. <laughs> I try. I try. I actually didn't stay during the credits. So <laughs> <laughs> there actually is an after credit scene. Uh, you can probably take a really wild guess as to what it is. And I would say that you're probably right. I, I called it. I, I saw it coming so far away. Yeah. I'm good. Yeah. yeah. The one voice performance in this movie that really, really annoyed the ever-living crap out of me was Fred Armisen as Cranky Kong. Yes, thank you. I just could not, could not get down with the tone, the vibe of that character. It was grating to me. Miscasting. Like, why could we just get Alan Tudyk to play it? the king like why like it's just miscasting yeah the tone of that character just felt very much like we are in illumination land like and that is and that to me was just not very appealing um i also did not really care for keegan michael key as toad either and no me neither i was shocked by that that was another thing where it's like Yes, I understand this is especially a character that is really meant for, like, little kids. And, like, I get it. I do. And I'm sure that the little kids watching will be very entertained by that character. But I found him to be so grating and so annoying and just the most broad, basic humor you could ever imagine. And I really, really did not like him either. What was the the blue, cute, evil character? Oh, the star. Luma Lee? 
Lumily, yeah, yeah, yes, yes. Yeah, I, that was I fun. Adored, yes, I adored that character. The Lumily, that that's the kind of voice that I feel like Toad needed to have a cute voice that just made you go, "Aw, look at the little Toad! Isn't he cute?" You know, I, I feel like I feel like Toad needed that. Instead, yeah. I'm I'm hearing this like deep voice of a older man that's like sounds like he's had too much cocaine. <laughs> I did like Toad, but I really like. I thought he was so unrecognizable. Like I was like, you hire Keegan Michael Key, and I'm like expecting Keegan Michael Key, and then it's like I, comp- I didn't even know it was. I forgot it was him. Honestly, watching it until I was like, wait, who was he playing again? And then I was like, oh, yeah, he's fine. He's fine. I mean, it's, I've seen better voice performances from him. I can't believe I'm saying this, but as atrocious as the movie was, I think he gave a better performance of Pinocchio than this. Oh, Isaiah. Oh God, I never. I still have never seen that movie. I'm a You're one of the lucky ones, Zoe. Oh my god, that's right. I completely forgot that he was in that Pinocchio. <laughs> uh, who, who for you was the MVP of the voice cast, Josh? And uh, is is Toad your 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 last place pick? Yeah, I I did not really care for King of Michael Key, which is a shame because I usually really like him, but I just thought that that it didn't work for me. Um, but no, the best person by far is Jack Black. Like, I don't think there's even a question about that. Like, he is, to me, the one person who is, like, really committing to the absurdity of the part. And he is just so unbelievably funny. Like, he is more fun in this movie than he has any right to be. And, yeah, those, like, musical sequences they gave him, which I'm almost convinced was an entirely entirely invented by Jack Black. I don't I think he was <laughs> the one who came up with that. And, like, they're... They're so absurd, but he makes them work. And yeah, I don't really find that Bowser as a character like has all that much of an interesting motivation. I I do sort of like the the setup of somewhat trying to subvert the expectation that you have a villain who kind of wants to generally rule the world and that he springs on you know his minions that he wants to marry Peach and they're confused too. Like I mean, I thought that was <laughs> that was sort of amusing. And I do think that Jack Black does a really good job of just being very entertaining and outlandish and over the top. And every time he was on screen, it was the clear highlight of the film by far. Okay, uh, Isaiah, what about you? Probably my MVP. We already talked about Jack Black. There were aspects of the characterization that I enjoyed. How like. Bowser was just this guy that just couldn't take a hint and Jack Black was just playing such an oblivious like type of performance to where even his minions were like bro you don't got a shot with this girl like don't don't do it I was also very surprised how much I enjoyed Charlie Day as well here I was very surprised that was a performance I was kind of a little bit nervous about, but I, I really enjoyed the vocal performance there. There's a whole section of this movie where Luigi disappears. Yep. <laughs> and I, I have to admit, I did miss Charlie Day's presence. I mean, I think that him and Mario have uh, a really funny sequence early on involving uh, a dog, a dog that looks like he was uh, sh- stripped right out of uh, Disney Pixar's up. What was that dog's name again? Doug. Doug. Yeah. Look, it looks like the killer version of Doug. And they have like this uh, tussle in the bathroom. And like I said, everything in the first like opening 10 minutes of this movie, I was I was all for it. And that included Luigi as well. The one thing that this movie also didn't have, man, I really wish we could have gotten a reference to angry Luigi's uh, meme face. 
That would have been fantastic. <laughs> I'm sure it's coming. Oh, I hope so. Uh, it won't be enough for me to give it a positive rating, but damn, will I love it. Yeah, I do wish Luigi was in this movie more because I, I agree that I think Charlie Day's performance is, you know, not amazing, I would say, but I did think it fit the character well. And I like the interaction that him and Mario had. And there's even this like one kind of mini uh, set piece when they first get separated and Luigi's in like this, you know, nightmarish land with the, the skeletons coming after him that I actually thought like, you know, for introducing some horror elements into a kid's property, I thought was actually pretty well done. You know, I could have even had more of it. It's a pretty short scene, but was well done. Yeah. There's like this one moment involving, I think it's lightning, and there you see the ghostly images like behind him or yeah. something. And I was like, oh, that was pretty effective. That was good. Yeah, it was giving like, Luigi's Haunted Mansion vibe. Yes. Yeah. Yes. It's the yes. Games, and those were like my favorite. So I was like, I'm so happy to see those here because it's such a fun game with him. Uh, and Zoe, what about you? Cast MVP and uh, someone that you were left wanting more from? Hmm. I would say like we've touched on, but like, obviously Jack Black is the best. Like I think just objectively, I think he's so strong in animation from like shark tale to Kung Fu Panda to this, like he just really gets it. And he's such like a dynamic performer, whether he's on screen or just doing voice work. I was going to say it also helps too, probably because he's an animated character in real life. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like he just, he always understands the assignment and just like goes all in. And so that just really lends itself. Well, I think to like, coming through as like an actual performer in an animated film. Um, but I was also actually going to say Charlie Day before Isaiah did. And I'm a huge fan of his too, but I just think that his, he gave Luigi like a bit of a new flavor. Like it's a new variation on this character. Um, and I actually did like, even though he's not doing anything really, I am a big Seth Rogen fan. So I thought him playing Donkey Kong was like yeah. hysterical at points. Like, hearing Seth Rogen's laugh through Donkey Kong's body was like, did make me laugh. And I just think he's fun. He's a fun presence. Um, and I do wish Peach had better dialogue. Cause I think that like Anya's there for it. I just think her material was so lacking that it was like tough at times, but I'll also say about Chris Pratt, like I'm not the biggest Chris Pratt fan. And I was also like, had my nose up at the news that he was going to be Mario, but I really didn't like notice it after a little bit. And I saw in um, Cole's video that the Oscar expert, he was talking about how, like, if Mario actually talks, like, how he talks, like, in the games throughout this entire movie, like, it would be so grating and annoying. So, like, I agree. Yeah, like, I'm okay with them giving it to somebody else, especially because Chris Brad has done animation before and was good with, like, Lego movies. So, I don't think he does anything, like, super unique, but it didn't, like, drag down the experience for me. Okay. You've watched them in unforgettable adventures, love affairs, and tragedies. Now it's time to hear their own remarkable stories. From the makers of Death of a Rockstar and Death of a Sports Star, this is Death Ready. of a Film Star. Starring Heath Ledger, Marilyn Monroe, Chadwick Boseman, Robin Williams, Carrie Fisher, and Bruce Lee. Search for Death of a Film Star in your podcast app. You've seen them tell stories. Now it's time to tell theirs. Now with that said, let's move over to final thoughts here. Josh, we'll start off with you. Anything that we didn't mention, something you want to reiterate? 
Uh, I think the only other thing that I did notice that I do want to mention here is that this movie has a lot of 80s songs in the soundtrack, which it seemed it would. I mean, this is sort of a small thing, but as I was watching, I was sort of feeling like that is something that really is there to, I would think, evoke that time period. And nothing about this movie really feels like that. And it just got me thinking like, man, this actually would be so much more interesting if it did lean more heavily into like the 80s nostalgia of it. And it felt a little bit more like a period piece in a way. And it would have been a way to give the movie a little bit more life, a little bit more of an individuality to it, a little bit of kind of a unique style that I would have found much more interesting. And yeah, it just, I noticed that it's like, man, it was just one eighties hit after another. And it's like, man, this really does make me think about a much more interesting version of this movie than what we got, which as we have said over and over again, is just so surface level and generic that I think that could have gone a long way into elevating this material a little bit. And instead what we got is something that is to me, very forgettable and does not leave an impact at all. And whatever it really does leave, I don't think is very well done. I will say that Brian Tyler has one of the largest nothing filmographies I've ever seen a composer have. There are so many big titles in this filmography. It is insane. It's like all the Fast and the Furious movies, the Marvel movies, the Transformers movies. Guess what? Don't remember a score for any of these. None of them. Yeah, those are movies that have very, like, generic action movie scores to them. But you know what, though? The way that some of the classic Nintendo themes uh, from Koji Kondo were reworked here for this movie, I thought was fantastic at times. (laughs) <laughs> the stuff that he didn't write. <laughs> Wouldn't say it was a great score, but there were a few moments where I thought, oh, that's a very clever way to utilize the score. Oh, that that's nice. You know, like there were a few moments where it caught my attention. Yeah, he's working with great material, so I can't give him all the credit, but I do think the way he remixes it, and, like elevates it, adds a lot of energy to like the third act in particular. I mean, there's one part with Jack Black with the piano where they just did a da 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 da. Yeah. Oh my god. <laughs> I love that so much. Ah, alrighty. Isaiah, how about you? Final thoughts? Anything you want to reiterate or something we missed? There is a bit of a running gag, as you will, that I actually did appreciate with the Mario character. Me personally, I related to this because as someone who also just adores Italian cuisine, like if you want to give Isaiah a repellent. If you will, mushrooms is definitely my repellent. And I just thought that was just so relatable with Mario just not liking mushrooms, but he has to consume mushrooms if he wants to obtain powers. I actually thought that was pretty cute uh, a little bit. The, the, The blue star in prison was just such a cute character. Just this pessimistic like some screws are kind of loose type of character who just looks at everything just so darkly and just like the voice acting of that character is just so cute. And, uh, I, I don't, I'm listening to the eighties music and I'm just thinking to myself, dude, I can't just tell you how much this actual needle drop just works so much better in other animated or live action films. But 
I'm looking around at my audiences. They were engaged. So obviously it worked for somebody, uh, but it was just average for me. Okay. Zoe, final thoughts. Yeah, I'll also I'll add on to the the like music piece. I think like like we were saying just a couple seconds ago, like the score itself is genuinely like really strong for what it is, for like what's going on. But I was like, like when they do that, it's like in the very beginning they do the music cue from like Kill Bill, like the battle without honor or humanity thing. Oh I'm my like, god, like, yes. That was like <laughs> yeah. just like such an like obvious cue. And I was like, are we really doing and like holding out for a hero? Like I was like okay like that i'm like we don't need that stuff like it felt very like market to the masses like music cue and i'm like just use the theme like it's so strong don't don't stray from that um but overall like i said like i there are so many things i can nitpick and i am like disappointed in it as an adaptation and i think that they could have gone a lot further and given these characters like these specific versions of them more specificity and like make them more unique to this cinematic version of the mario cinematic universe at the real mcu um but ultimately like i did i did have a fun time at the end i think i really like the way that they adapted like the iconic set pieces in particular i loved mario kart and the rainbow road scene and i really liked when him and donkey kong team up at the end and they're going side to side and all the stuff like it was like i can't say like i wasn't like entertained i just like do expect more so it's like it got me to like the bare minimum level of enjoyment but if this does you know like become a sequel there's a franchise and there's a sequel like i very much hope they get a new writer or they have him whoever they have right now like do a lot more with it and like expand what's possible because it this is like barely gets the job done for me are you not entertained (laughs) are you not entertained is this not why you are here that's all I could hear as Zoe was giving her closing final thoughts there. <laughs> She's watching a movie and Russell Crowe is just yelling in her ear. <laughs> Not the first person who's done that too. <laughs> this is a movie that really does beg for you to love it, but it begs for you to love it with the bare minimum amount of effort. You know, I didn't have to like think hard about this. I didn't have to ponder. I knew as soon as I saw it that this was a four out of ten movie for me, and that's being generous. That's a generosity coming from enjoying some of the voice performances, recognizing that they do capture the animation style perfectly, and they translate it over. Um, I, I do think Illumination actually is a fantastic fit for the world of Mario. From the character design level to the world design, all of that looks fantastic. The music at times I enjoyed. Yeah, some of the music cues, I agree. Little on the nose, could have done without it. Definitely agree with you there. Some of the set pieces are pretty exciting, and I did get a few chuckles out of it. Some of my roles, sure, but a few chuckles along the way. So I think me giving it a 4 out of 10 is pretty generous, especially when... Once again, it's missing the two basic essential functions that I feel a story needs, a movie needs in order for it to work in that story and character. Isaiah, what about you? What's your grade out of 10? (sighs) This conversation just may be more pessimistic and I'm going down a grade instead of a six. I'm going to a five. It's entertaining for sure. It's not a bad movie, 
but it's not good either. It's just kind of like just in the middle. But animation-wise, it's a breath of fresh air compared to the dullness that we get with other Illumination Studio movies. Josh Parham? Uh, well, first of all, I want to say that I am sorry to once again be part of a conversation where I have made somebody like a movie less after I've said something about it. I actually don't like that. So apologies, Isaiah. <laughs> I'm not apologizing for anything. Don't be apologetic. Be honest, bro. Be honest. It's just that I this happened multiple times and I just I always find that to be kind of funny. Um, we are very persuasive, Josh. Yeah, I just wish you would go the other way sometimes. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm going to agree with you, Matt, that this is a four out of ten for me. Like, it, it has some amusing moments in it, but overall, I just found myself struggling connecting with the actual foundation. And when that doesn't happen, like if I don't have that connection, then it's hard for me to really enjoy even the, like the fleeting moments that are there. So yeah, four out of ten for me. Not a big fan. Zoe, as she's wearing her peach pink outfit, I'm sure. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> I did always aspire to be peach. But, um, no, I, think <laughs> I, I like, do agree and, like, hear so many of the criticisms, and I think that it could be a lot better. But I think for what it, what it is, I think it just barely gets the job done for me and was worth a watch. Like, I don't regret watching it. I did have a good time for what it was. So I'm, like fairly fresh six out of ten um but again i really hope they at least try at all on the next one because i'll be a lot more critical for that and we all know this movie's gonna make money we all know that they're gonna make another film i mean i would really really like it if they found ways to incorporate some other mario games into the future films wouldn't it be cool to do something mario party related or I guess they did do Luigi's Haunted Mansion here, like you guys said before. Or expand upon that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Take it a step further. I don't want to reveal the end credit scene, but... Yeah, there are some possibilities here. I mean, think about the characters that you haven't seen in the marketing yet and figure out for yourself. <laughs> mm -hmm. Right. Put two and two together. Okay. Best animated feature. What do we think? No, because it's not no. good enough and it's going to be a competitive year. So Absolutely. it makes me very sad to say this because the only film in Illumination Studios history to get an anime feature nomination was Despicable Me 2. And again, like I said, from an animation perspective, this is definitely something that I would consider. The problem is the story. And I think that's what's going to hurt. it. It's going to make money. It wouldn't surprise me if it got, like, a PGA nomination because of this box office. But in terms of actual Oscar nomination, I think the odds are becoming against it. I am leaning towards no. And for a lot of the reason that Zoe said just very plainly up front, it's not good enough. And, yeah, it's going to make all of its money. But... As long as the field remains competitive, I don't see how even with the popularity, it could muscle its way in. I, I feel that in a weak year, anything can happen in a weak year. Sure. But this is not the boss baby. 
I don't even know what I meant when I said that actually just now. Um, <laughs> well, but like that's also the only year I can really think of where the like terrible animated movie that made a bunch of money actually did get in. I mean, there's probably another example, but something like that apparent like it doesn't really happen that often with animated feature. Honestly, like they they kind of do try to pick good movies <laughs> to be in there. It does happen, Josh, but to your point, it's so rare. I mean, yeah, you could go back into 2000s and you can pick on something like Shark Tale or you could go if you want to call Despicable Me 2 a poor movie like I would. I guess so. Sure. In a year where there was no competition against Frozen. But there is, I believe, competition this year. I do think that. If this was a year like Frozen or like Coco, where it's just like the game is over, we I think the, there could be a case to be made. But yeah, Zoe, you knocked it out of the park. Competitive. I was just going to say, like, I'm just thinking, like, literally off the top of my head, like, there's the Miyazaki, there's Spider-Verse, and then there's Elemental and that Wish Disney movie. Like, that's four already there that I would probably already have my eye on. And then who knows what's going to come at the film festivals, like, out of nowhere. Yeah, (laughs) some other, like, you know, indie or, you know, foreign language film. Like, I'm like, there's totally going to be, like, some artistic pick and stuff, like, one of those. Like, so there really isn't room for Mario, I don't think. No. Also, too, I mean, Isaiah said it right at the beginning there, too, that Elimination's track record with the Academy is not good. Yeah. Just they not. do well at PGA, but yeah. Because yeah. they make money. <laughs> yeah. Have they, have they even had a financial flop yet? Uh, you can make a cake. And, no, the Grinch wasn't a flop. Never mind. No, that wasn't a flop. The Secret Life of Pets 2 underperformed, I remember. But that's really like the only one. Re- and Sing 2 kind of did a little bit, but that was because of COVID. So mm-hmm. really, like, yeah, they've still never, like, not turned a profit. <laughs> yeah, well, they're going to make a lot of money with this film, that's for sure. Yeah, yeah they, definitely. They're going to make all the money. <laughs> <laughs> all the coins. All the coins in the world. All right, Zoe, Rose Bryant, tell everyone that's listening right now where they can find you on the Internet. You can find me everywhere at Zoe Rose Bryant, but mostly on Twitter. <laughs> Isaiah Washington, where can they find you? You can find me on Twitter at Izabod, I-Z-A-B-O-D, 13, capital I. And how about you, Josh Parham? Where can they find you on the internet? You can find me on Twitter and Letterboxd at J.R. Parham. And you can find me at Next Best Picture. Thank you so much, everyone, for listening to our review of the Super Mario Brothers movie here on the Next Best Picture podcast. We are proud to be part of the Evergreen Podcast Network, and you can subscribe to us anywhere where you subscribe to podcasts. Be sure to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts and let us know what you think of the show. We really appreciate your feedback and your support, which you can also lend on over at Patreon. For a $1 minimum a month, you'll get some exclusive podcast content from us. Thank you so much for listening. As always, we shall see you all next time.
Hello, this is Gary Chachot welcoming you to check out the French History Podcast. Our main show covers the history of France from the first humans until present. If you liked Mike Duncan's The History of Rome and wanted a similar program covering the land of beauty, culture, and love, we are exactly that. We also host world-renowned scholars who have delivered guest episodes on their specialties, including 18th century pirates, revolutionary booksellers in 20th century Paris, the special friendship between the Marquis de Lafayette and Thomas Jefferson, and numerous others. Learn what you love and listen to the French History Podcast today.